Thank you, Hadam. We're going to go into our scripture for today, which comes from Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 13 in the ESV. We have ESV Bibles, which uh, should be under your chairs, uh, but uh, especially for those who are joining us from home, uh, feel free to look up the scripture uh, if you have your own Bible or Bible app. Uh, we'll also project it, but I know if you're watching this on a phone, uh, the scripture is going to appear very, very small, uh, so feel free to look that up. And once you've found the scripture, again, it's Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, uh, we ask that uh, for those who are here in person, and if you're comfortable doing this at home, that you please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, uh, we began last week our new sermon series for the school year called Whole. And we're trying to find uh, wholeness in Christ and what that means. And last week we started with um, the creation account. And especially as God gazed upon the creation after he created humans and everything else in this world, and he looked at it and he said that it was very good. It was very good. And just how we've kind of lost that sense of very goodness in us, right? That's been obscured. And, and so for many of us, when we look in the mirror, we don't see very good. When we look at this world and just how broken it is, we don't see very good. And there are reasons for that. And so, um, yeah, you, you know, I, I realized that uh, <laughs> the scripture we read this morning, uh, oftentimes you read a scripture and it, it's like, you know, yeah, it's the word of God, right? And so it's like inspiring and just really like great. And then, then you get to the part where it's like the word of God for the people of God. And we're like, thanks be to God. And we ended on this idea of sin and this woman kind of saying, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And we're like, thanks be to God, right? And I do realize that the story that we're reading today uh, is in many ways a really tough one. It, it, but it's a very well-known story, 
right? And it's so well known that I think sometimes we can kind of miss uh, some of the subtleties of it. And by the way, there's so much in it that there's no way that I can fully unpack all of it, right? And so just don't expect that uh, today is going to be this like very detailed exposition of the, the uh, passage and we're going to just pick it apart verse by verse. That's not going to be what today is. But we want to talk about what this brokenness looks like in our life, right? So for, for us to be able to find wholeness, right? And there is something in the story that I think is really key that we're going to focus on today. And it is this idea of hiding, right? And so, you know, maybe for a lot of us, uh, just hiding, um, well, when you're a kid, it's just fun, right? You play hide and seek. That's something we like to do at church, by the way. <laughs> uh, oftentimes with youth group, we like to play hide and seek. And uh, the other building, there's like all these like fantastic places where you can hide. And, you know, w- what is it about hiding uh, that, you know, like, like what kind of hiding are we talking about here? We're not just talking about like, um, you know, like playing a game. Uh, but sometimes there are things that we don't want to face that we just feel this need to kind of run from it. And so um, I, I want to give you kind of a silly example. Uh, <laughs> there's these series of ads uh, for Southwest Airlines. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these. They're a few years old now. Um, but it always ends with, want to get away because it's Southwest Airlines, right? They're trying to sell you airfare to be able to travel wherever you want to go, right? And so uh, one of the commercials... <laughs> Please forgive me. This one's a little bit crass, but it was a commercial, right? It was on, like, TV and everything. So um, it's this guy and this, this, this woman who, uh, th- they were on a date, right? And so, you know, the guy says to the woman, like, oh, you know, I had a great time. She's like, yeah, me too. And she gets out of the car. She's like, bye, bye, I'll call you later, right? And so she leaves. And when she walks away, the guy, like, kind of looks to make sure she's gone. And then he lets out this humongous fart that he's been holding in, right? I, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a social situation where you really need to fart, but like, like you know that it just would be like really gross, so you just hold it in, right? And so you, you just have this feeling that he's been holding in this fart this entire date, and so he just lets it rip. And I'm not going to imitate the noise, but you can just imagine, right? Farts are just funny, right? And so in this commercial, it just, it's like so long, right? It's like a good five seconds, and you just see the guy just go, ah, and then he looks over at the passenger side and he sees a phone on the seat. And so he looks up and the woman has opened the, the car door. She's like, I just forgot my phone. And then she goes, oh, oh. And you look at his face and this is actually a still shot of the commercial. <laughs> and that's his face as she, he's like looking at this woman. He doesn't know what to say. And then, of course, it says, want to get away? Okay, so this exact social situation is kind of silly, right? But have you ever made a mistake (laughs) and just kind of wanted to hide, right? Just kind of wanted to run away, wanted no one to ever see you. There was once, uh, uh, I I was with this like youth group that I didn't know. And I met these kids and and I was like, man, you know, these kids are so cool and so fun. And a a friend of mine had brought me uh, on this youth group trip. and, and he knew all of them, and he was like, like the cool kid. But I was the kind of like really shy kid. But on this trip, I wanted to kind of like get out of my, my, my you know, shell a little bit. And so my friend was in the back of this bus as we were on our way back. We were coming back from an amusement park. And there was a big cooler of like Pepsis. 
And he was chugging Pepsis with other people. And everyone's like, chug, chug, chug. And they're like having a chugging contest. And I was like, yo, you know, my friend is so cool. And they're all like, you know, his name was Danny. And they're like, Danny, Danny. I was like, I want them to cheer my name. I want them to go, Steve, Steve, Steve. So, so I get a Pepsi and I start chugging it. But no one knows me, so no one's looking at me. But I'm like, I'm committed. So I just keep chugging it, right? And we, we get to, the, to the, the parking lot. And before I stand up, I'm just like, oh, oh, like, like this is not right. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I think I, and then, boom, I just barf all over myself, right? And I'm just covered in my own vomit. And I'm in the very back of the bus. Everyone gets up and leaves. And I just stay there. And I'm like, what do I do? My friend Danny comes back for me because he's like, where's Steve, right? He's like, hey, man, is, anything, is everything okay? He's like, I'm like, no. And, and he comes back. He's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He's like, yo, yo, people are out there. They're just like talking to each other. They're waiting for their parents to come. They won't even notice, right? Just, just, you know, get out of the bus and just, you know, go straight into the church and, and you can wash off, right? Like no one will notice. I promise. I promise it'll be fine. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I get out of the bus and, and I just start like running. And then at that moment, you know, like in groups where there's like those awkward silences where people just stop talking, it happened right at that moment, and everyone looks up because they see this little Asian kid running, right? And they look up, and I'm covered in vomit, right? And it seriously was like the stuff out of my nightmares. Everyone just starts screaming and running from me like a horror movie. Ah! And I'm like, look away! Look away! And I stayed in that bathroom for like 30 minutes. And, and they're like, Steve, you're going to come out? I'm like, is everyone gone? And they're like, yeah, yeah, everyone's gone. They've been gone for 20 minutes. You sure? And I slowly came out, right? I'm like super wet. And I never went back to that youth group. Never. Why? Why? Want to get away? <laughs> I did want to get away, Right? That, I, that actually happened to me, guys. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever felt that way, where, where you just felt like, like this, this kind of like shame and this, you know, you just don't want anyone to see you. There is something in our human condition where when we face something that is embarrassing, anything that's a threat, you know, to, to your, your, your sense of yourself, um, whenever uh, you feel scared or whenever you're facing difficult things, right? There's this tendency within us to run, right? To want to hide, right? And that's what's happening in this passage. And maybe you felt that before. But friends, I want to show you that this is actually not leading to our wholeness. This is actually one of the consequences of sin, right? Sometimes I can't kind of separate what are the consequences of sin and what are the sin itself. I don't know. But all I know is that this is not what was meant for human flourishing, right? For us to kind of hide ourselves from each other or from God. But this is what ends up happening in sin. And so you see in this passage, right, that we just read, um, that uh, we're going to meet the serpent here. And uh, by the way, what happened before this was... um, after God had created uh, humans, right, and created us in his image, um, one of the things that we are told, right, because you guys already heard, right, that when God looked at all of us and he said, 
very good. And then he says, for the first time ever, that something's not good. Do you guys know what that is? You guys know what God said? The first thing he said, this is actually not good. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for humans to be alone. Right? We were created to be in fellowship, to be in community. We mentioned this last week that even God exists in community, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And that might seem like a really weird thing, but it's just the very nature of God is to be in relationship, right? And that's the way human beings were created. And even when it was just a a man and a woman in a garden, right? They were created to be with each other, to be perfectly uh, with each other, right? You know, that this this other person was, came out of the man's body, right? And so in many ways, they are one. They, 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 They always were meant to be one, right? And we were also meant to be one with God. But here is where we see um, th- that relationship and that fellowship broken, right? So the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Friends, there's something kind of weird about this, this, this whole you know, temptation of uh, uh, the, the first man and the first woman. Right? So, like, notice what the serpent says, right? So, like, you know, God had warned them, don't eat the fruit of that tree because you're going to die. And the serpent's like, no, 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 you're not going to die. If you eat it, you're going to be like God. But guys, what do we know about the man and woman when they were created? What do we know? That what made them, you know, kind of different than uh, the other beasts and the other creatures that God created was that God said, let us create humans in our own image and likeness. Right? So, so check this out. That's the way God created you. You were meant to be like God. But the serpent is like, yo, why don't you eat this fruit? You're going to be like God. Right? You're going to know good from evil, right from wrong. This kind of thing, right? And, and th- it's, it's a very weird thing because you're like, wait, what, what do you mean that the, the, the man and woman didn't know right from wrong? Like, what, what does that even mean? We'll, we'll try to explain that in a moment. But so the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Um, So a couple things here. I mean, there's so much there. Uh, But this woman, uh, by the way, um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when when we read it, I paused when it said, she also gave some to her husband who was with her. (laughs) Do you guys ever see this, like, played out, like, in the storybooks and whatever? And they always just show Eve, right, like with the serpent. You know, and it's like Eve is the one who messed up, right? Eve is the one who, who like made this mistake. 
The man was right there, right? It, it tells you that. She, she gave some to, she ate it, right? And then she's like, here, husband. He's right next to her, right? Why didn't Adam say anything? I don't know. Maybe some, some people say that that's actually the first sin, the silence of Adam, right? Why, why didn't he speak up, right? Why did he go along with it? Well, we don't know, right? But what we do know is that the man and woman, that there's something in that fruit. There's something that, even from the very beginning, they are already are like God. They have so many good things. They have all of the trees of the garden to enjoy, all of the fruit. And there's something that, that just, just tickles them, right? In that moment where they're like, oh, but I could have more. I, I could be more like God, right? I could be exactly like God, even, Right? And this, in many ways, friends, is the first sin. It is the desire for us to be like God, for us to take the place of God, for ourselves to be gods in God's stead. Right? It's not enough to just be made in the image and likeness of God. We want more. It's never enough for us. Right? And so in that desire to get more, right, like maybe within us, like, I mean, it's not true, right? They already were whole, right? They were very good, right? Everything was very good. But the sin, the temptation, the, the, the kind of like, like thing within us was like, oh, no, no, I need more. I need more. I need more. And that's always the human condition. We always want more, right? And so she, she gave it to her husband, right? And they both ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. I have to tell you, friends, that this whole idea of this like tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, you know, scholars have debated this, like what, what this means. But I'll just tell you for me the way that I kind of look at this. So there was a time where man and woman, like humans, we just kind of like, we just live with God and we live with each other, right? And it was all good. It was very good, right? And it was God who was able to say, you know what, loneliness, not so good, right? Let's put them together, right? But everything else, we just took it as a gift, right? We didn't overthink it. We didn't think to ourselves, wait, how good is this fruit? Mm." You know, we we didn't have Yelp reviews for fruit. It was like, yeah, this is like a three-star fruit, you know, but oh, what about that fruit over there? Maybe that's a five-star fruit. Maybe we could have a better fruit. Oh, like this garden, it's really nice, but mm, maybe this garden is actually like a mediocre garden. Maybe there's an even better garden, right? There is this kind of spirit of comparison, of, of this idea that some things are good and some things are bad. Some things are things that I want. Some things are not desirable. And that's what starts to happen, right? So the moment that they eat of this fruit, they look at themselves and they're like, yo, I don't like being naked, right? Let's cover up. Right? And there is something about this, like, like almost this intimacy of like just being naked, right? That they're like, this is just too much intimacy. I need to cover up. I don't like it anymore. Right? And so now what has entered the world is preferences, right? It's not just right from wrong, right? It's this idea that we get to judge what is good and what is bad, right? I think that's in many ways is the sin, right? is that we become for ourselves like gods in saying, mm, you know what, I want the world to be like this, and I don't want it to be like this. 
We can't accept anymore the world as God gives it, right? We have to be the ones to decide whether or not we like it, whether or not it's to our exact preferences. Does that make sense? Yeah? And so that's what happens in this moment, right? And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is a really, really weird uh, translation. I have to be honest. It does not say that in the the Hebrew. What it says is uh, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the breath of the day or in the wind of the day. The word uh, in Hebrew uh, that's used here uh, for wind um, is also used for breath. It's ruach. And, and it sounds like someone breathing, ruach, right? And, and it's meant to kind of evoke this idea of inhaling and exhaling, the right, like, like a breath. And so uh, what, what, what a lot of people have, have done is that they're like, okay, that makes no sense. They're walking in the breath of the day, right? And so they're like, okay, maybe it's like a wind, and maybe they're just saying there's a certain point in the part of the day where it's kind of windy and it's a little bit cooler, right? But friends... The word for breath, ruach, also is the word for spirit. It's very interesting. So the Lord God is walking in the spirit. Right? Now, number one, this is kind of a weird imagery for us. Right? What does that look like? What would it look like for God to walk around in a garden with us? We don't know what that's like. Right? But that's what Eden represents, is this place where we live in that kind of close community with God. The presence of God is there, and God is walking. Now, is he physically walking, or is it a kind of metaphor? He's walking in the Spirit, but it's like he's so close, as if someone were walking next to you. Do you ever hear, hear people talk like that? You know, like, like uh, there, there's that very famous uh, uh, poem, like footprints, like the footprints in the sand. And there's like two sets of footprints. And there's this idea that, that the God, God is walking with you through life, you know, and there's two sets of footprints. You may not know it, but God is always there with you. But the problem is, is that we don't sense that anymore. We don't know that, right? In many ways, we feel alone. We feel cosmically alone. But there was a time where God is walking in the spirit with the man and woman. But because of this sin and because the the man and woman are like, oh, we're naked and, you know, this isn't okay. And, oh, my gosh, we screwed up. That's not okay. And so they, they hide from God. That's what it says. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, friends, we're back to this idea of hiding. This is what happens, right? We hide ourselves from the presence of God, right? Now, when we were talking about that Southwest commercial, right? It was all, want to get away? Do you want to go someplace where those people that you were so embarrassed to be around are not there anymore? The story I told you about me barfing on myself with those kids. You know, I wanted to get away and never see them again, right? But this is the silly thing about hiding. So, we're talking about hiding more than we are running, right? Because in many ways, you can't run from God. Do you ever see, like, a, a scary movie? And, um, like, like, usually, like, scary movies would not be that scary 
if you could just run from the killer and the killer couldn't find you, right? You're just like in another country and they don't know where you are. End of movie, right? And so what they need to do is they need to trap you in the house, right? So something happens, the door gets locked, right? Or the killer comes into the room, right? The monster comes in the room and there's this moment where you can't run away. You don't have the time, right? You, you, you can't get away fast enough. So what does the person do? They hide, right? They go in the closet, right? Or they hide under the bed. They close the closet, and there's always that scene where the closet just happens to have slits, right? Where they can just kind of see, in the <laughs> and they're just hoping that, that you know, the, the monster or whatever doesn't open the door, because if they do, you're caught, right? You have nowhere else to go but to hide, right? And so, friends, check it out. It's kind of silly what's happening here. But the, 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 the man and the woman... It says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So literally, there's a tree, and they're hiding behind it, right? And so God, who is God, he's walking in the Spirit. He is everywhere, right? And he's like, Adam? Adam's wife, because I don't know if you knew this, but Adam's wife doesn't have a name yet. They're just the man, right? They're both man, right? And he's like, where are you, man, woman? Where'd you go? And they're, they're hiding behind this tree, and it's so stupid, right? It's so silly. Did you really think you were going to hide from God? Where are you going? God is everywhere, right? But this is the thing. They can't run from God, so the best they can do is try to hide. But even that's not effective. Of course God finds them. How could he not? I mean, I think, you know, God uh, is probably just kind of like messing with them a little bit. He's like, okay, I'll let you hide for a little bit. But he knows exactly where they are, right? But friends, as silly as that may be, isn't that what we all do? We hide, right? Because really, you might think you're running, but there's nowhere to run. Sometimes, friends, uh, the things that we're running from are things that you always carry within you. It might be trauma. It might be the embarrassment or the pain or shame of just feeling like, you know, you're, you're a mistake. You made a mistake. And, and, and this kind of shame, this, this feeling like, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm not measuring up. I'm not enough. Right? I know for a lot of people, man, this feeling within us, we're always running from it. And so what do we do? We try to numb ourselves, right? Maybe with entertainment. We try to go into social media, right? Have you ever, like, had to study for a test or something and you don't want to face it, so you just spend a couple hours on social media or something, right? And you're just endlessly scrolling on Instagram, and it's just one of the messed up things that they, they designed infinite scroll. So you could literally scroll forever, right? Actually, Instagram has one thing that's kind of good where it tells you you're all caught up, right? But for me, when I'm on Instagram, I keep going, right? And they'll just keep finding new things for you, right? They'll keep giving you distractions, right? And, and there are many times, friends, where we're doing this where it's not even that enjoyable, right? Because you're not really like having fun. You're running, Right? You're running from whatever problem you have. 
Sometimes, maybe you made a mistake, right? Like I said, there's something within you, and then you're running from it, but you're not really running because there's nowhere to go, because wherever you go, there you are. It's in your psyche. It's in your memory, right? Where are you going to run from that? So what, the best we can do is we hide. We pretend. You can't see me. You can't see me. And that's what we do with our problems, right? We're hiding from these things, but there's nowhere to go, right? We're like the woman who is pulling her head into that sweater, right? It's like, yeah, I just want to hide, right? That is a natural tendency that we feel. But obviously, everyone can see her, right? You're not going anywhere, right? And so, friends, we know that that only works for so long, but sooner or later, you're going to have to face it, right? Now, I will say this. There are some people who get so good at hiding and numbing that just everything in their life becomes numb. I I, I don't want to say this as a judgment, friends, because I think we're all prone to this, right? So please do not misunderstand me. I'm not trying to judge anyone. But I think there are some people where it kind of looks like they've just kind of given up on life. There's just no joy anymore. They don't look forward to anything. They're just kind of existing. And for some people, maybe they use like alcohol or drugs or whatever to just numb the pain. And they're just the best they can hope for is to not feel, right? Because they literally don't want to face whatever it is in their lives, in their hearts, right? And friends, I got to tell you, that's no way to live. What did we talk about at the very beginning, right? This idea of wholeness, right? You know, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And a life where you're just hiding from pain in your life, that's not living abundant life, I don't think, right? A life where you're just kind of numbed all the time, where you don't feel anything, good or bad, I don't think that is the abundance of life we're talking about. And so we see here, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. By the way, friends, this is our first mention of fear in the Bible, right? In this brokenness of relationship, instead of this closeness, oh, God, you're good, right? You're with me, and we're walking in this garden together. Now there's fear, and there's separateness, right? And and because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Now, remember what I told you before. (laughs) The man was there, right? He was there the whole time. He just didn't say anything, right? He's equally at fault, right? And, And what a lot of people do is, and by the way, people throughout the ages, men have used this passage to blame women and say, see, it's your fault, But they are playing into the same storyline that happens here, right? At the very beginning now, so so we have the introduction of shame. We have the introduction of fear. Now we have the introduction of blame, right? So check this out. Look at what the, the man says. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. So the woman... You gave to be with me. So God, if you think about this, this is really your fault. (laughs) Right? If you didn't give me this woman here, then I never would have eaten the the, the fruit of the tree. Right? And friends, there is this thing within us. So um, we'll go into more detail on this part uh, in in the coming weeks. Um, 
But for a lot of us, we can't handle whatever unpleasant feeling we have, right? Like, like we feel bad about this thing. And so one move we have is to run from it. Another move we have is to project it onto someone else. And this is what a lot of us do, right? So blame, it's very, very easy to do, right? It's kind of a knee-jerk reaction, you know? And uh, uh, I heard the story once, uh, Brene Brown, who's this shame researcher, and she was telling the story about how one night, uh, or, or uh, one morning she was on her way to work, and uh, just like in her kitchen before she left, uh, she got a cup of coffee, and um, she, she was, uh, you know, uh, trying to pour the coffee in her mug, and she misses, and the coffee spills all over her blouse. And her first reaction is she goes, darn it, Steve. And, and like, you know, everyone's like, who's Steve? So Steve is her husband, right? And so the thing is, Steve is not there. Steve is sleeping. So what happened was Steve uh, is a part of a water polo club, and he was out late playing water polo right? And so he was out so late that she was like, oh, okay, well, I'm worried, you know, if he, he like, like, what happened to him or whatever, but, you know, I, I don't want to be intrusive or whatever. So she stays up for Steve, right? And so she ends up going to bed later than she wants to, right? And so then she's there, and she's like, okay, I need coffee because I'm so tired, right? And she's so tired, and she spills the coffee all over herself. And so her first thought is not like, oh, I spill coffee. Oh, shoot, let let me go change, right? Her first thought is, Steve, this is your fault. If you didn't come home so late, then I wouldn't be so tired, and I wouldn't have spilled this coffee all over herself. And she's telling the story, and she's like, it's so ridiculous. I know it, but it's just a knee-jerk reaction. It's one of the things we do, right? We don't want to face the pain ourselves of our mistakes or what we've done. We don't want to own those things, so we put it onto someone else. This is why there's so much messed up things in this world. This is why we have war. This is why we have us versus them where we have factions, right? You know, red versus blue, and, you know, we think of good versus evil, and we think of black versus white, and all of these things, racism, nationalism, all this stuff. Oftentimes what we do is we take our corporate sin and we project it onto someone else, on the enemy, right? On, on you know, the, the terrorists or whoever is out there right? Whoever you want, right? And you project it onto them, and you can hate them now. You can destroy them now, right? And it all starts here, right, with the first blame. Um, And so then the Lord God uh, said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman, again, she's like, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So she's blaming. She's like, God, you created the serpent, and (laughs) this is your fault, right? Why'd you create the serpent? So friends, at the end of this passage, um, you're going to find that um, God is going to pronounce these different curses on humanity. And there's going to be enmity, hatred, between man and woman. There's going to be tension between parents and children. There's going to be tension with the very land that we live in. And and just even existing in this world is going to be difficult. The land is going to produce thorns and thistles, right? And by the sweat of our brow, we're going to try to get food out of it, but it's not going to be easy, right? 
all of creation now has kind of changed, right? And then the last thing that happens is the man and the woman get expelled from the garden. And, and this is what, it, it, this is really what sin is about, friends. It's the breaking of the fellowship with God, right? And for all of us, right, we've, we face that every day. You know, God said it is not good for humans to be alone, but we feel alone all the time. For many of us, when we pray, we feel like God's not there, right? For a lot of us, we're going through this world and we're doing whatever we can to just feel better, even though we we face these things that we don't like about ourselves, right? When we look in the mirror, when we make mistakes, when we face that shame, right? We're doing whatever we can to run from those things, to hide from them. Right? Because we've been expelled from the garden. But along comes Jesus. And Jesus actually takes on our sin. And he dies on a cross so that the power of sin can be broken. And when Jesus dies, a really curious thing happens. The presence of God is always symbolized for the people of Israel in the Ark of the Covenant. It is supposed to be where the presence of God is. And it is held in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, in the center of the temple. And there's the Holy of Holies, and it it is separated by this, this curtain, this humongous curtain, right? And when Jesus dies, we're told that the curtain splits from top to bottom. Why top to bottom? Because if it was bottom to top, a human could do that, right? But top to bottom is letting us know God did that. God wanted to remove the barriers that kept us from his presence, right? He wants us to be with him. I want to end with a very familiar story. And this is with uh, uh, what we call the, the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. But again, friends, is he really lost He chose to run away, right? We don't know why. Maybe he felt inferior in his own household. He felt inferior to his older brother. We don't really know why. Maybe he thought his his dad was too, you know, uh, heavy-handed. He he didn't want to listen to his dad. But for whatever reason, he leaves and he takes his inheritance, which is supposed to be given to him when he dies, when when his father dies, excuse me. Um, But he, he does this very insulting thing. He's like, Dad, just give me the money. And he takes it, and he goes, and he parties. And he just lives wildly. He makes lots of mistakes, right? And he goes, and he wastes all of his money. And then a famine hits. And now the son has no money. He has no food. He has no job. And he's working for a pig farmer to feed the pigs. And he's looking at the pig slop, and he's like, Even the servants that lived at my father's place, they ate better than this. And he comes to his senses. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home, but I'm going to beg my dad to take me back and so I can be a servant. So at least I'll have something to eat, right? And so we we see this, that he, he says, you know, uh, I will say to my father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. And 
he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. A lot of the Jewish teachers would see the people that Jesus hung out with. These people that they looked at and they're like, these are sinful people. These are messed up people. These are people that should not be in the presence of God, let alone the holy of holies. But Jesus tells this parable to say, you can come home. The Father is searching for you. The Father wants you to come home. And when you come home, you don't come on your hands and knees and you don't become a slave, but you are reinstated as the child of God you were always meant to be, right? You have never lost that status. And in Christ, because of what Christ has done for us, all of us can do that, each and every one, right? Whether or not you want to do it is the question, right? And so for many of us, friends, I just want to say, the presence of God is available to you. Now, it doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. I know oftentimes when you hear a a, a story like this, um, at least for me, I would hear it like at retreats, you know, in in very dramatic spaces. And it's, it's thought of as this very, very dramatic thing, you know, and it can be. But I think it can also be something that you experience every day, right? If you would be willing to come out of hiding, right? What does that look like? I I, want to just close in this way, friends. Um, Where is the presence of God? We're told in Eden that in the cool of the day, in the wind of the day, in the spirit, the presence was there, right? And, and, and the presence of God has been unleashed in the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is here with you. Did you know that? The presence of God is here. And some of us, we are like the man and woman, kind of like hiding behind trees <laughs> when the presence of God is everywhere, right? And so what we need to do is we need to come out of hiding, right? One of the things that we can do is stop running, stop numbing. Right? Just be still. Right? And so it, it, there's that great line in Psalm 46.10 where it says, Be still and know that I am God. And, and for me, this is one of uh, my main practices of learning to be with God. Um, I got to tell you, friends, uh, if you want to learn how to do this, um, it, it's not always easy because a lot of us, we're so used to running, Right? And, and, and it's just very, very uncomfortable. Um, I've done this before. Um, in in uh, LGM, uh, I did this years ago where uh, we did 10 minutes of silence in the service. 10 minutes, right? And um, during that time, um, I've never seen so many people in 10 minutes need to use the bathroom. Like, everyone got up, right? And, and now... 
I don't know, maybe everyone chugged coffee before the service, I don't know. But I have a feeling that there's something about that stillness and silence that is unsettling, right? Being still, it's too much stillness. You feel exposed. You feel naked even. And there's a part of us that's like, I'm going to get up. <laughs> this is too much, right? But I wonder, I wonder, what is it that we're afraid of? Are we afraid of facing whatever it is within you? Are you afraid of facing God? I don't know what it is, friends. But if we could learn, I think, to just be still before God, right? I think that in many ways we will start, we will, well, number one, we'll stop hiding, right? Um, all of the things that, that we uh, usually use to hide, um, you know, won't be there anymore, right? But I think you'll give God a chance to work upon your heart. And and it might take some time. I'm not promising that it's going to happen right away. That's not how this works. But, um, you know, one of the things in this season in my life, um, I've been sharing this with people, um, is that, you you know, there's so many things that we could be chasing, you know, in this world. And I've realized that those things are pretty empty. (laughs) They're not going to satisfy me. Right? Maybe you've been feeling that too. And for me... What I want more than anything, more than anything, more than anything, is I want the presence of God. I, I, I need God. I need God in my life. I need to know that he's there, right? And, and, and so, friends, it, it, to me, this is a thing that is worth pursuing. I don't want to do uh, 10 minutes because we don't really have time for that, but could we just do one minute, one minute, just being still before God? Is, is that Okay. Yeah? All right. So, friends, uh, I'm going to put a timer on. All right? So, just take a deep breath and just be still. If a thought arises, that's okay. Just say Jesus. <laughs> and just, you don't need to do anything. You literally don't need to do anything. But all we're doing right now is we're saying, God, we're not hiding. We're right here. We're right here. Can I ask the uh, Haram to come up? Pasta Haram, make it come up. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, friends, would you pray with me? God, we need your presence more than anything else in this world. God, we need you. And yet, it's so funny, God, because the one thing we need, Lord, is the thing that we run the most from. God, just learning to be still in your presence, to face the fact that, yes, we are sinners, but also at the same time, that you are a good God, 
You're not this God who wants to blast us or punish us. But God, you have given your son and you have forgiven us. You have made a way for us to come back home. And you are waiting there with open arms, God. And so for any of us who have been running, God, I pray that we can know, and God, just our very souls can know, that they can come out of hiding. That the water is fine. The water is fine. You, you, you are good. You, you love us. And you want to be with us. We thank you, God, for that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.